Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Today, we have energy experts, policymakers, elected officials, and CEOs from the Middle East, Africa, Asia, and Europe converging on the Vancouver Convention Centre for a global liquefied natural gas conference. Now, this global LNG conference uh, will run from Monday to Thursday here uh, in Vancouver. It's held every three years, so it's a big deal in the energy sector. Uh, And Vancouver wasn't expected to uh, host this particular event. It was originally scheduled to be in St. Petersburg, Russia, and of course, that all went sideways after Mr. Putin decide, decided to invade Ukraine. So Vancouver came in and, and is now hosting that conference. It's going to have up to 15,000 uh, attendees, so a really big deal. And as you all know, uh, we have one large-scale uh, LNG project, LNG Canada, being constructed right now. We just heard the uh, the other day it's about 80 85% complete. It, uh, in, uh, once completed, it's a $36 billion investment uh, here in British Columbia. It's the largest private sector investment in the history of Canada as well, but it speaks to the importance for energy, for Asia, for the rest of the world. And joining me now to talk a little bit about uh, that project, but more importantly, just LNG and First Nations community is Crystal Smith. She's a chief counselor with the Heisla First Nation, which is uh, located just outside Kitimat, BC. Crystal, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you. You and I have met uh, uh, many times before. Uh, let's talk first and foremost about uh, your community. There's the Heisla community next door to uh, Kitimat City. Can you give me a sense of what the community has been like over the last couple of years? Because, you know, when we talk about this big project, it's $36 billion. But you put all of that into a community like Heisla and Kitimat, it's significant. What's it been like uh, up there? It's been absolutely inspirational uh, to see the changes that have occurred over the last five to ten years. Uh, it's specifically in in my community and also in in Kitimat is the essentially the revitalization of the economy uh, within our territory. Our our community isn't new to industrial development. We've had a aluminum smelter, a pulp and paper mill, and a methanol plant all operating in our in our territory at one at one moment. And unfortunately, two of those commodities, the two of those industries, decided to leave uh, Kitimat, thus leaving it in a in a very um, drastic state in in, mm-hmm. in regards to every aspect of of what makes up a community. Uh, people left, uh, schools closed, uh, opportunity was essentially lost within our territory, mm-hmm. and to see a new industry come into our community has definitely revitalized. Our, our entire economy, uh, bringing more people into Kitimat. And, and essentially, for the, from the Haiza perspective, providing opportunity for real opportunity for our people to, to find careers. Mm-hmm. And it's not only within the LNG industry that we're seeing the, the impact and, and the focus. We're seeing our, our people become lawyers, nurses, uh, ambitions of coming, becoming doctors. It's been absolutely uh, inspiring to, to be a part of and to witness. What was it like 10, 15 years ago before any conversation around um, LNG? Uh, how did your community 
a look at resource projects, doing businesses with uh, corporations and companies, individuals that came to you. Give me a sense, of, a snapshot of what that looked like. It, it was definitely a, a, a time that where Indigenous communities were, were essentially a part of conversations that never really came to fruition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say that the trust factor for for any type of proponent coming into Indigenous communities was was definitely uh, one that was uh, not taken as as constructive because we'd been promised quite a few opportunities and and it never uh, came to fruition. Did you, t- do you did you trust do you, did you trust companies not in the sense of just being let down but did you and they're coming to you as capitalists as people with an idea uh you know something that's for profit did you trust them culturally i i would say no we we generally didn't as as i stated in my opening comments we we weren't new to industrial development mm-hmm. our our leaders prior to uh 10 years ago uh weren't provided the the, the resources that we are today mm-hmm. uh in regards to that uh expert help even the the guidance of uh lawyers mm-hmm. uh so in 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 regards to any type of um trust uh factor it was it was very limited in in regards to the acceptance of any type of development that was that was occurring in our territory mm-hmm. now when i look at a plant like lng canada's and somebody sitting in the city was well that's well and good how does that help us here in in the lower mainland uh, you, you sometimes have to remember those projects of that size. I mean, that could be potentially, and I don't know the deal that's been signed because it, it is, uh, you know, signed with that company. But, you know, you're looking at $300 million to half a billion dollars a year coming to provincial or government governments collectively in taxes from one LNG plant. Um, now, there's a separate project called Cedar LNG. Walk me through. Now, this is the pipeline that's being built. You've got LNG Canada. you got a big, big facility. But... You, uh, being the Heisler First Nation, also negotiated a deal that once that pipeline is built, there's an off-take agreement. And as a community, you want to build a separate LNG plant, smaller one. By small, I mean it's not $36 billion, it's $3 billion maybe, $2 billion yes. or something like that. Explain that to me. Uh, so we were fortunate enough to, to negotiate, successfully negotiate uh, and, and give credit to, to our previous leaders and, and consultants and lawyers that helped us get to this point. Uh, we successfully negotiated for our MMCF of capacity off the coastal gasoline uh, pipeline uh, to feed a facility uh, that was intended to be majority owned by Heisla Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to do that and secure uh, partnerships that helped us advance uh, the project to where it is. And, and our our partners, Pemina Pipeline Corporation, has, has definitely taken our project to, to where it's at today. We obtained our environmental assessment certification from both the province and the federal government in March. And now we're, we're moving towards uh, what we are optimistic to be a positive final investment decision later this year. That's going to be huge. I mean, you're going to have two LNG facilities there. Um, there's been talk of the Nishka as well, uh, being involved in LNG. Give me a sense of what... There has been opposition to LNG. People will say, look, it's natural gas. It burns 45% cleaner than coal, but it's still a fossil fuel, and we need to get off of it. Uh, yet you have First Nations communities like yours, High Slim. You've got uh, Nishka, who also want to look at these types of developments. Uh, uh, Give me a sense of the internal conversations in your community, how you square that circle, because 
you can talk about nature, you can talk about the earth. Um, and, you know, First Nations communities, my sense of them when I visited up north is the, that's part of the broader conversation. How does this fit in and this development fit into our broader values? Speak to me a little bit about how your community, and I don't know you don't want to speak for the Nishka, but broader First Nations communities get to a yes today based on those that broader conversation. I've, I've uh, often alluded to our, our cultural values always have taught us as Indigenous communities in one way or another to to protect and, and to uh, honour our lands that, that we live on. Uh, it, if you think in a global context... And, and a global a, a global mindset, our communities and our territories aren't protected from what is occurring in, say, Asia. Uh, anything that that happens globally, our our territories are are impacted immensely when it comes to any type of salmon stock or or ulican stocks, and we we feel that in in that conversation that although LNG is is still a fossil fuel we are doing our portion of taking care of our territories and taking care of the earth uh, by helping be a part of solutions when it comes to offsetting the, mm-hmm. the emissions burn that are, that are created by coal, mm-hmm. by producing LNG in our territories to, to be a part of solutions that, that will take care of our future generations. Mm-hmm. The activist community, those that have opposed uh, resource development, um, have always had a strong relationship with First Nations communities. Uh, and they may not, they, I know they wouldn't appreciate what you're saying or other First Nations leaders who are, whether they're working in the oil sands, whether it be LNG, uh, could be coal as well. Uh, is that relationship, and I've talked to Ellis Ross, uh, MLA with BC United and former chief counsel of HISA as well, is that relationship now divergent? Uh, and what I mean by that is not that you're fighting, but you're just saying, look, uh, we're going our way and we're going to decide our, our thing. And uh, we work closely with the environmental movement. We may again, but we are going in separate paths here. Is there a fundamental di- divergence now from First Nations communities and environmental groups? I mean, I can speak from from a Heisler perspective in in regards to that. And and definitely, if you've you've seen anything that I've I've put out as in as the chief counselor of the Heisler Nation or as the chair of the First Nations LNG Alliance, uh, you can definitely see a, a, a theme coming along where I refer to eco-colonialism, hmm. uh, and and the fact that you know that I, I often uh, state that the sensationalism provided to those to to those groups uh, often give a perception that most Indigenous communities are against development, when in actual reality that that is quite the opposite. Uh, there, there are many of our communities that support this development because it's 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 being done in a respectful, mm-hmm. uh, sustainable manner, and it is actually inclusive of our cultural values, whether it be along the pipeline, uh, directly where the terminal is being built, or a- along the shipping route. Uh, these projects have have done an, a, a tremendous job of incorporating indigenous values into how they are are building their project and and will operate their project. So in in regards to uh the divergence from from that conversation, you know, we need our our people deserve this opportunity. Our people deserve the opportunity to live the quality of life that every other Canadian citizen 
has been provided for generations. It is our time to to be a part of the solution. It's a it's time that our communities are a part of the economies that operate in our territories, and and we will continue. Uh, to be supportive of the projects that we deem fit. And it's not from, from an elective, elected perspective. When, when I sit here and speak about a, a, a project such as LNG Canada, I sit here on behalf of 2,000 Heisla members, members that have ultimately given the mandate to our elected body to support the industry. Uh, so I would say that I, I definitely do see uh, our communities wanting to be a part of the economies. We don't have a lot of time, uh, but one of the questions I did want to ask you uh, was uh, the fact that people say, look, uh, if we're going to power LNG, you need electricity. And the, the Premier has also brought up the issue of electrifying that region. Uh, uh, and Hydro has talked about needing more energy as well. You know, I listened to that. So that sounds good. Too bad they didn't bring that up a decade ago. But speak to me a little bit about electricity and the need to power these LNG facilities because they demand a lot of electricity. Do you hold out much hope for uh, Hydro and the government getting that region electrified as much as you need? I mean, LNG is just one one aspect of that conversation mm-hmm. in, in regards to powering. Uh, when you think about all the the other Indigenous communities that that are in northern British Columbia that see opportunity within their territories, whether it's by providing power to to BC Hydro or by using the power, uh, there are many opportunities uh, besides just LNG when it comes to uh, electrifying and essentially uh, creating opportunity uh, for Indigenous communities to be participants to to that economy. Uh, am I am I Hopeful that that it that it will take place. I I believe, it, like you had said, to start a decade ago, uh, there is a need. There is a huge need uh, when it comes to even some of our communities that still are powered by by other fuel fuel sources and, Diesel, and not provide right? yes I mean yes. It generators. It's appalling that here in British Columbia we're still having that conversation. Absolutely. So when when you think about you know, the, the impacts and, and the desire for Indigenous communities to want to be more part of solutions when it comes to taking care of our environment. Uh, that is a huge push in itself. LNG is just one one portion of the conversation when we're, when we're talking about uh, providing that power. So it is it is required and and definitely looking forward to the to the conversations that that are, that do occur uh not only with with BC hydro uh but with the province and as well as other indigenous communities Crystal Smith, we've run out of time. It's just, uh, we can fill a half an hour just like that. There you go. So thank you so much for coming in today. And I know you've got a really busy schedule. So thanks once again for for uh, making some time for us. Thank you for having me. 